right, guys. Hey, it's Jade. I'm here in Nashville, Tennessee, and we are doing something kind of cool today. We are, for the first time, doing a, I keep calling it bi-coastal, which isn't really true. I mean, we are on the coast of the Cumberland River. Yes. So <laughs> um, we are in Tennessee. Cassie's in Los Angeles, which is a coast. I guess cross-country? Cross-country yes, cross recording country. today. So as you guys know, I moved back to Nashville about a year ago, and it's been kind of difficult figuring out how to keep the podcast going, but... Obviously, we want to. We've been doing a lot of episodes in Nashville, but April came along and was like, girl, I got you. Here's a bunch of cables and wires and some foam things to put on your conference room wall, and we can do this. So we try and I mean, we've been sitting here for a good 45 minutes troubleshooting, but you know what? Three girl bosses, we did it. So today, um, it's not just me. It's somebody you guys have missed. Cassie's here. Hi. I'm here and. In- Smoggy Los Angeles. <laughs> Cassie, catch us up. I mean, I've done a few episodes with some guest hosts. We had Elise and Caitlin, and then I did did Evan. And uh, I know you were on those two, but we did record those last year. Yes. But catch us up on what's been going on with you for, for, for the past little while. Um, I mean, how honest do we want to be about this? <laughs> um, I mean, it's your podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I mean, to be honest, this year has been absolutely awful. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, been kind of rough, guys. It's been a rough, rough year here in the music start. industry at CrowdSurf. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been kind of rough. So. Yeah, I mean, I would yeah. say more like for me, like personally versus. Yeah, you've you've had a pretty shit personal year. Yes. Feel bad about that. But yes, so how are things going with some of your clients in in the music industry? Um, I mean, it's it's going. You know, it, it's it's busy. I feel like I, you know, I can't complain about lack of work. Um, <laughs> we cannot <laughs> complain about lack of work. That's a good yes. Way to put it. Uh, yeah, no, I cannot complain about lack of work. A lot, you know, a lot of uh, working with a lot of cool artists at all different uh, levels still love our sort of developing artists that we're working on like Max and Harvey and uh, Jaden Bartels and that sort of thing. And then have like sort of our, you know, staples just uh, saw the Backstreet Boys show last week, which was awesome. Uh, so, you know, things Actually, are... you took Oscar, Oscar Stembridge yes. who is 11 years old. He's 11, right? Yeah. He's 11. Yeah. I, he's I signed to Universal Sweden. He's the youngest you artist to ever be to his, signed. To the Universal. youngest artist ever to be signed to, to to Universal in general, or Universal Sweden. They they Universal correct. Sweden. They they found somebody else younger. Universal oh. worldwide. When I tried well, to research the claim, so. um, <laughs> but you went to Sweden and you took Oscar to see the Backstreet Boys on yes. the DNA World Tour. What was it like? I mean, I also took my nephew who's six. So we both we both have seen the DNA World Tour with a child. That's yes. a new one for us. Yeah. How did, how did, like, how was that different for you? And how do you think Oscar, like, enjoyed it or took it or was inspired by it? Yeah, he, he was very, you know, he, he very much analyzed it um, technically, which is really cool because he's, he's so little, but had so many questions about like, you know, lighting and microphones and, you know, using a stage the right way and that sort of thing. And I just think that he really, even though that's not, you know, he didn't grow up with the Backstreet Boys, he still was able to learn a lot from their stage show and it, you know, inspired him and gave him ideas and and that sort of thing, which uh, I thought was, uh, you know, I thought that was, that was cool. Um, It also, you know, some, you know, there's a lot of uh, crotch grabbing. So that made me a little uncomfortable. (laughs) In terms of like taking children who go see the Backstreet Boys, but other you know, than that, it was so great. Ben, my nephew, 
who you guys see, I post about all the time. I took him as well. We went and washed in DC and uh, he's, he's definitely like adopted the crotch grabbing as part of his like home dancing routine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, amazing. what is going on? Like, this is so awkward and like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, he just wants to be a Bachelor boy, you know? Um, but he, you know, he went and actually he made really good friends with Lee Giroux and Kristen Richardson, wives of Kevin and Howie. And it was just like, they were just fawning over him. And he was all like, the ladies, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And uh, he he was just waiting the whole show for Backstreet's Back, which is towards the very end of the show. So it was it was a long show. It's a long, it's like a two-hour show. But it's incredible. There are some surprises. So I feel like most of our listeners who love Backstreet have seen this tour. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, guys, Crystal's here. Hey. Crystal's here. She's going to be at the show. Um, Crystal Douglas from Music City Sewing. But can we give spoilers or were you not? Please do. Oh, okay. okay. Listen, I am so psyched. I already ordered a vintage Backstreet Boys crop top <laughs> to wear. Like, I'm ready. So, okay. So, let's start this with asking, like, Crystal, like, how big of a Backstreet Boys fan were you? That was Are my you? first love. Okay. 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 And then I got the... Um, the, the tour VHS, remember? What yeah. Was that? Oh, there's oh. many. There's Live in Orlando, oh. probably the one you had. Live in Orlando is like the one that's actually like the tour of like the 1998 tour. That's it. Yeah. That's it because I was in yeah. grade. Well, okay. Well, knowing that, there is a song that they have brought back that is in that okay. home video. And it's one of my top, top probably three Backstreet Boys songs. And that is That's the Way I Like It. Okay. I literally remember them. Like, I mean, there are no Fox racing jerseys this time around, but it was pretty epic. And I was pretty drunk by that part of the show. And like, you know, me and Howie pretty much just had a connection. It just felt like old times. Like, oh my God, I love you. You know, see, that's the big difference between me and you at Backstreet Boys concerts now. I try to avoid eye contact at all costs and you like to have a connection. <laughs> I'm like, look at me. I know you. I'm 30 <laughs> and this is my first Backstreet Boys <gasps> concert. Are you serious? I well, I'll say like, this is their biggest concert since Millennium Tour. And I think it's their best set list mm-hmm. mm, since NKOTBSB. Yeah. Cassie, it's would a- you agree? It, the set list is pretty epic. I I, I think it's really it's well done, list, and there's yeah. just some some chunks that really make a lot of sense. I, I like the last chunk. If we're gonna yeah, I mean the, the last like act, which is like I don't know, it's a good like ten songs. The last act, that, and it has this like preview video before it that has little snippets of all the songs in it, and I kept hearing, and I was like, oh, what? And it was actually cool because AJ told me a lot of it, but there was there was something he didn't tell me that I was shocked about, and I don't remember what it was, but. It was, yeah. Like, what are the songs in the last set? It wasn't um, That's the Way I Like It, because I knew that. There's, um, It's Gotta Be You, which was- It's I Gotta Be You, a, that's it. it I didn't know moment. that was going to happen. And so I watched that Vegas show. We were in Vegas for two years. I watched that show probably somewhere between like 50 and 80 times over the two and a half years we were there. <laughs> and uh, they did a dance break where the dancers came out and danced, no singing, and the boys were changing wardrobe. And that was, it's got to be you, but they never sang it. And it was like such a disappointment every night. Just hope like, man, I would just kill to see that song. So they used it as a changeover music. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So I think that's a good lead in to, uh, to Miss Crystal here. Yeah. I mean, I spent a lot of time under that stage. Right. Right. Okay. (laughs) So Crystal owns a company called Music City Sewing. If you guys don't know, we've talked about it before. Music City is Nashville, Tennessee. And what she does is she essentially makes clothes for rock stars and pop stars and all the stars. 
which is incredible. So first, let's start with, I actually can't remember exactly where and how we met. Yeah. Okay. We have mutual friends. We have a lot of mutual friends. We both went to MCSU. Okay. But, but you were, done were you in like there. the like the since forever rock scene? <laughs> were you part of that? Uh, I think I was a I think I was like a like a tertiary in and out of that. Group okay, the then that party. was probably what it was. So like we met at Catherine's house at the house party. Okay, so me and Catherine Brock are really good friends. Our friend yeah. Catherine Brock and Catherine used to work here, but like me and Catherine Brock, we met because she used to come to shows for this band called Since Forever that I managed for a few years, okay. and that was when like between like oh god I don't even it was like ten years ago. So I remember thinking recently like wow that was like literally ten years ago. So she was she was kind of a groupie, you know, and I was like I like her, and then I offered her a job. <laughs> she worked for me for a while, and we've been to a lot of Fall Out Boy shows together. That makes sense. I remember going, uh, I remember hopping in a car with her one time. She gave me like one hour's notice. She's like, hey, you want to see Fall Out Boy Memphis? And I was like, hey, the bus leaving. And literally, <laughs> on. That's and amazing. I love that. Yeah. yeah I love it. You had bushwhackers and then you're like, we want Memphis. That sounds like the best night of all time. It was awesome. I love that. I love that. So, okay. So then we reconnected actually at April's wedding. That's right. April's wedding. So. I have a little bit of a beef to pick with April, just a tiny baby bit. April set me at a table at her wedding where you had to like, you know, it was, there was seated. No, we were the I didn't know anybody. Why would you put me at the bad kid's table? I'm one of the baddest kids you know. Like we were literally all the people at that table. There was a table of people my age that I knew a lot of them. And then there was the table of random in-laws that I was set at. And it was so awkward. And, like, I couldn't make conversation. And then I think it was you that was like, yeah. no, no, come to our table. Be okay. And your <laughs> table was way closer time. to the bar. So <laughs> so that we was how like we reconnected. Yeah, we were. She and I like, do remember we all sang Fall Out Boy. Yep. I remember she that. She was like, I'm going to isolate you guys. Let's just put everybody together. <laughs> She's like, I got to keep this stuff apart. Um, so going back to you. So we're going to talk about today what you do. And it's very interesting. And I want to read a quote. I actually had you fill out some papers and questions. But I love this kind of quote you wrote. And it said, I think a lot of people wanting to work in the entertainment industry are struggling hard to fit in some sort of straightforward music business role, which I think is very interesting. You know, things like managers or producers or songwriters. And Crystal works in the music business. Yet does something that most people don't know much about. So I don't even know I exist, Jay. Seriously, like I feel like this is how I feel. And I know that it's not true because people came before me and did the same thing. Right. But when I got into it, I didn't know that other people did this. Really? I was the only okay. because most seamstresses or mm-hmm. teachers in entertainment interact with each other. There's usually only mm. one on each gig. I felt like I invented my dream job and everybody yeah. was just like, we believe her. That's oh, awesome. Here's Lynn. Well, I remember like Cassie and I were working with an artist a few years ago and Cassie was like, I wanted, I want a waitress costume made. And she's like, I want it to be epic. Like a Britney Spears costume. Like, you know, like Britney and you drive me crazy. Where's this? And she's wearing the red cat suit and, uh, oops, I did it again. I want something like that. And I was like scouring the town, trying to find somebody. And I ended up finding a woman that really didn't do this and she made something that was just like not I went in there and I'm like cut this off add this do and then it was what I wanted but I'm just like why do I have to do that so it is such a blessing that you are here now and recently we um you did a video together with me for Jenna Rain That's right. for Technicolor her current single so I came to Crystal and was like hey I need like 
cool, like Dorothy from Wizard of Oz meets Lana Del Rey. And she's like, well, I work with Lana Del Rey. I'm like, great, let's do this. So that's what happened. And then she made some amazing outfits, all the outfits in that video. And you were but, like, cool, you're getting on a flight to Dallas tomorrow. Yeah, and I was like, you got to go to Dallas, so let's go. But I want to also start this conversation with asking Cassie, Cassie, what is your favorite, like, iconic artist costume ever? Oh, this is really a stressful question. It is stressful. I mean, I think Britney Spears over the years has kind of nailed, like, iconic yeah. music video costumes. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, I do love, like, the toxic waitress outfit. Or, yeah. the, like, plain stewardess waitress outfit, I think, is legendary. Yeah. And then, I mean, toxic, too, like, the... The diamond the body body yes. outfit is pretty is pretty epic. Um, what else do I love from Britney Spears? I mean, she's <laughs> just had so many amazing looks. But I think I think the toxic video looks are are the ones that are most memorable to me. And then I think you know if you go into like you know Backstreet Boys, I think the larger than life looks are pretty um, epic yeah. from that music video. And then the, of course like Backstreet's back. Oh yeah, Boys, and I just I never forgot it. It stood out to me for like yeah. Forever. That classic white suit. Cassie actually posted an Instagram video recently of her boyfriend wearing white pants, and she was getting off on that. <laughs> and we know why. She's like, oh, my boyfriend's wearing bad boy band white pants. <laughs> yeah, he just, like, ordered them one day, and I'm like, you do know that those look like boy band pants. And he's like, oh, okay. And he had, like, yeah, zippers like, on them and grips. white grip. pants unless you're in a boy band. Or R&B. R&B. I get it. Yeah. 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 I like R&B. Um, so let's talk about some of the artists that you have worked with. Of course, we all work with artists we can't really talk about. You know, you know. But there are some key ones on this list that I think are really exciting, and Cassie will think is exciting. First, I'm going to say is Bon Jovi. Oh, my God, he's the best. So me and Cassie's, like, song between us is Living on a Prayer. Are you kidding me? It's, like, been our song for probably a decade or so. And so that just is something we love. And we like to go to Bon Jovi concerts and get really drunk and harass. You want to know how that happened? <laughs> Okay, so back in October, mm-hmm. uh, my parents went through a Category 5 hurricane. So I was driving Which down is where they live? North Florida. Okay. Um, okay, so I'm driving down to go check on them, and I'm loaded down with supplies. Like, we're talking empty fuel tanks. And yeah. And I get a call from one of my best friends, and she's a stylist. And um, Peyton goes, hey, um, do you want to make a coat for Bon Jovi? And I'd like, I think that's something that I'd like to do. Yes. <laughs> that's amazing. So that happens literally while I'm driving through like Ebro, Florida, <laughs> like back roads and it's in and out. Like I don't have full reception. And I'm like, did she say? Like, say what, Jovi? Yeah. And I'm driving through the middle of nowhere and I pull up to my parents' house and I was like, I think I'm making a jacket for John Bon Jovi. And, um, and so we ended up collaborating on it. And That's so, so cool. she, her dad is a fan of Bon Jovi. And she's like, dad, I need the insert panels to your 66 Mustang. So she tears the fabric, like the, what? the red leather. She tears it out. And he goes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. He says, yes. So Wait, her dad is my kind of person. Yeah. He's yeah. Man. Like yeah. firstborn. What do you want? Chuck's the yeah. man. And so Chuck. Chuck and I, yeah, we're both <laughs> So anyways, Chuck tears the insert out of it, and Peyton's like, cool. Um, so she brings it over. And, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was literally, like, the weirdest, weirdest of interactions ever in that, like, I guess as you go along and you start to build yourself up, like, like who you are and what you love to do, mm-hmm. people ask less questions and they trust you more. Right, and yes. And it's just like this is what I'm thinking, you know, I want the logo and everything. I was like, let's go for it. And so we took like white leather. We took the 66 Mustang leather and that's the, leather and that's the, the heart on the, okay. on the jacket. 
Um, and then I took, I sneak something into every custom piece for an artist and it's like, it's, it's something that they know that it's there. It's not necessarily something that you would see from the outside. Uh -huh. I had one artist that played football in high school and in college, and I snuck his number to the inside of oh, his that's coat cool. like on his back. Um, so for him, I had, like, not only did he have the Mustang, like, yeah. but also I had this pewter silk, and I relined the entire jacket and oh, like, wow. pewter silk on the inside. And it's the same silk that you see on the top as the dagger. Um, so yeah, it was just, it was the craziest thing. And he sent us some videos of him wearing it and stuff. And he was just like the goofiest, happiest smile ever. And it's like, <laughs> you know, those videos and those photos that you'll keep forever. And the oh, world of never course. See. Like, I just, I love it. But yeah, they were the most So fun. we wore this on tour for a video or on, stop. on tour. Wow. And that makes me so happy because so many artists only wear something once. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like his piece. It's like, that's my jacket. Yes, I saw it. That's amazing. Kong. So it's like an iconic. Australia. I saw it in somewhere in Asia. Get it wrong if I said it. Um, but yeah, he keeps wearing it over and over again. And I'm just I, like, I'm praying because this is my bucket list. I wanted to go on the rock and roll hall of fame. So let's put oh, that out there. Oh, wow. I the, I'm like, see, the rock and roll hall. this is something I really like about you. And I didn't know about you until recently when I really started like following you on Instagram and, yeah. and whatever. You're like, you're totally into like the inspirational stuff. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you're into necessarily like the secret, but it feels like Very you're little. into that, you know, I'm like, I'm yeah, all this stuff. Like, I, I love that though. Cause it's like you saying, Hey, that jacket's going to go to the rock and roll hall of fame. I, I, I believe you. It's going in there because you believe yourself. Yeah. And that's yeah. why the universe believed you. Let's get into some spiritual stuff yeah. right now. You guys, because you know what, like you can say like whatever you're looking for, you're going to yeah. find it. Yeah. So if you're looking for tragedy and sadness mm -hmm. and failure and like yep. rejection, you're going to find a hundred percent. No, I'm looking for money. I'm looking for good clients I'm for money for too. Experiences like that's yeah. what I want. And the thing is, I base all the success of my career and Cassie's career on that principle. Yeah. Like we never said, oh, I don't know if this is achievable. It was, no, I'm going to, I'm going to hang out with the Backstreet Boys for a living. You could do it. Which sounds so freaking bonkers. Yeah, it does. This band sold 140 million albums and we were just two girls, no money, no connections, like not like super hot girl, you know, we were like, yeah, I'm going to do that. But like, we believed it. Floor. Right. You know, and now they're on brandy winners. It's like, insane. It's okay. So going back to more of your, your artist, Keith Urban, who I, oh my gosh, I love Keith Urban so much. Like Keith Urban is a very important artist to me. What did you do for Keith? Uh, I did all of his, uh, his tour goods, like his soft goods. The, oh, cool. Uh, cool. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's talk about that too, because some people don't, know what all that stuff is so when you're going on tour production for tour think of all the different materials that need to be made to make this production work so you're mentioning things i know in here about like um backdrops and um i don't know you go into it because i think that's just very interesting and different it's basic sewing it's, mm -hmm. it's not engineering even well it is when you get into weird shapes and stuff so it's called soft goods so for everybody that doesn't understand that, um, it's riser skirts. It's which even explain what that is, because a lot of our audience is pretty young. Like our yeah. audience is very much like young girls that want to get into the industry. So I want to explain to them what that even means. Yeah. Okay. So if you're looking at a stage, um, the reason why you don't see the scaffolding and everything holding the stage up is there are black skirts that wrap around the stage, kind of like a tablecloth. Yes. For a stage. It's literally an ugly black tablecloth yeah. that happens to yeah. be flame proof, which is an exciting Ooh, step of the process. Interesting. Um, yeah. So 
basically every artist that's in a club or arena tour or stadium tour, all of their stuff has to be inherently flame returning. Mm. What that means is you get a certificate from the state saying wow. that it can't catch on fire. Because think about the heat of the lights. Yeah. So so what that does is that makes you a textile consultant. Yeah. So wait, you have to go where? To like City Hall? Like what, <laughs> where do you get this? So, um, I've been trying to register my car in Tennessee for six months and that's still an issue. Um, but tell us about getting a flame certificate. So I don't want, I want as little liability in me as possible. Um, so I will only, like the only reason that when I will flame proof something myself because that like you have to set up a room like Dexter style yeah. and go spray it, spray like and some sort of layers. yeah. And I don't want to do that because it's such like big amounts of yeah. paper, um, and it's super super expensive. It's like liquid gold. So um, yeah. So what I do is I buy fabric from retailers that specifically work with mm. entertainment textiles. Okay. And so um, the harshest what you want to do like when you're using these soft goods. You go off of the laws of the strictest states in the country. Okay. Because that way. Because you're touring all the states. So, yeah. So if your artist is going through Illinois. Right. Let's say you're going to Chicago. Chicago is not actually as tough as Boston is. Mm. Or as California is. Okay. Right. So I buy fabric from New York and California. Because they have the toughest burn laws. That makes sense. Yeah. And so then they they also give me the certificate that goes with it. So I make things with Kevlar thread. Okay. Because that's flame Yeah. And then, uh, and I always get the weirdest looks when I'm ordering it. It's so funny. Like, so what you making? What are you making there? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I got really good at Kevlar thread and that led into working with the government for a couple different things. And that was cool. Um, and then, yeah, <laughs> we're just going to glance over that so one. I know. <laughs> working with, I don't, so, I guess we can't talk about that, but, um, weird. that is interesting. Yeah. Doors open up for you. So, um, so yeah, so. You order the fabrics that are already flame proof. They give you the certificate and then you make the riser skirts. And then like, let's say you're looking at a piano and there's a cover on it or a banner on the front of it that's styled or, you know, it's got graphics on it and stuff. We make those. Um, and then we've also done big backdrops for like, you yeah. tours that don't, they, let's say maybe they didn't spring for as much money on the right. Rate, yeah. Right. You've still got something up there. Yeah. And that's yeah. when it gets tricky because then it's like a lot of weight hanging down, things can stretch, yeah. you might have weird shapes. Have you ever made one of like of a giant backdrop, like the ones you would see in arenas? Need to breathe. It's crazy. Yeah, I did need to breathe. So it was like 40 feet long. Those things are nuts. It was it was insane because it was like so many different textiles and like I love those guys, they're amazing. Um and uh I had like Charmeuse satin, which you can't get Charmeuse satin if it's not flame proof, like it's got it, you have to flame yeah. yourself. And oh, so wow. here I am dextering up a studio. <laughs> And like it was forty feet long, but the square footage in my studio at the time, April's been there. Um, the it was my first studio on Music Row, like my first workspace. Awesome. It was only like thirteen by ten. <laughs> so here I am. Did you get checked for like it was hard. toxins? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of health concerns in, in your job, you know. I know people have no idea. Cassie. Yes. Do you have the list of Crystal's uh, clients? Uh, yeah, hold on. Let me pull it up. My phone. I just want to see closed. if there's anybody you want to talk about. But while you're looking, obviously, we're going to talk about the new kids on the block. Ooh. Yeah, I think that's a because, good idea. Because, as you know, I love boy bands and Cassie boy bands. And the new kids on the block were, like, my first boy band. Joey McIntyre was my first boyfriend. I mean, after Alvin from Alvin the Chipmunks, which was a cartoon animal. Um, Joey McIntyre. Yes. And I've toured with them several times. So... What did you do with new kids? Oh, I worked here when they came through town. Okay. Not this past tour, but the one before that. Okay. Um, and I worked on all the denim that had all the safety pins in it. Okay. Like that. Um, 
pants, really long pants. Um, Did you what, now when you're tailoring pants, are you able to like touch? What are you asking, Jay? Donnie Wahlberg's ass. <laughs> <laughs> can I come work for you? <laughs> you know it's funny, like it's so clinical to me. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm just like, yeah. Okay, move. And the thing is, I'm like that too. I mean, I see like people running, but like Donnie Wahlberg's ass is like a treasure. Is it? It's a treasure to me. I'm just like looking at the clothes, and I'm so not lying. Like, <laughs> I just don't see it. It's so like the way his back goes into his ass. I'm just telling you guys. The next time you see it, because that man rips off his shirt on stage, yeah, and it is like I told Amy Beth. She went with me. She works for us here in Nashville. She went with me the last show. I'm like, just look at like that curve from your back to his butt. And it was it was a religious experiment. Experiment experience. A religious experiment. Religious experiment experience. I don't know. I think, that's, genius, I think religious right? experiment oh, yeah, is Scientology. Yeah, Wait, what, Cassie? <laughs> I think a religious experiment is Scientology. We are not talking about Scientology <laughs> on the podcast, okay? Because okay. in our Hollywood office, there are Scientology buildings all around us. And if you're a Scientologist listening to this, I, you're probably not allowed to. Um, but they're just... <laughs> <laughs> they invade my Starbucks. They're everywhere. They, I don't know. It's, it really intimidates me. They're just Hollywood. It's a lot. They're, they're just everywhere. But let's talk about the genius of Donnie Wahlberg because okay. I, I've always loved watching him work because to me, like so much of what they do comes from like his head, you know? Oh no, he's absolutely a master. He's he's a he's a brilliant marketing genius. Uh, no, he runs it. Yeah, he runs it. But like when I was with him, it was like pranks all day long. And you just needed <laughs> to stay out of the way. Yeah. Like I just I you keep your back to the wall. <laughs> That's serious. funny. That's funny. Um, but yeah, he's just like he's such a genius. So that would be so much fun to like get to measure his butt. Yeah, it was funny too. Like uh, we were we were joking okay. around. And we were watching old poor videos of theirs. Like not them because that would be like in yourself, right? But like uh, Patrick is his you know their main wardrobe guy, and he's been with them since the very beginning. Like if you watch videos of them from the very start, you can see like a very skinny Patrick rocking out. So this guy like cut the hole in Joey McIntyre's hat. Yes, that was a fashion yes. thing. Like that was a thing, you know. Like, he had that hat, and then my idol was Debbie Gibson. And, like, she had the black hat thing. Like, oh, I love that girl. Um, Cassie, anybody you want to talk about on this list? Because I feel like... Yeah, I do. I would like to talk about Michelle Obama. Me too. I would like to talk about Michelle Obama. I would like to know if... government stuff you did, or... I don't know. I think I can talk about that. Yeah. I didn't sign anything. I am in the middle of Michelle Obama's 19-hour audiobook. And I find it interesting. So you said you just said that you didn't sign an NDA for Michelle Obama. Isn't that funny? Oh, you want to hear a funny story? I have the phone. Yeah, I just found that funny. Music industry into perspective. She did not sign an NDA. Um, an NDA means a non-disclosure agreement. Means you can't talk about this. Yeah, not on Michelle Obama. However, there are four pop stars on this list that there were NDAs signed for, which I think is hilarious. So you guys understand how stressful the music industry is. Like those people value their privacy more than Michelle Obama. Yeah, she didn't care. She was <laughs> chill. And actually, I had dinner with Malia. Like what? No, I'm telling you, she came out <laughs> to catering. Like it was at the Ryman, and she came. Out okay, to so catering. it was like a book tour. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so cool. I'll set stage for you, or backstage for you, and so um, basically, I come in. Should I say this? 
We can edit things if you don't like it. I'm saying Yeah, it. let's say it. So you know what security is like going to oh, Bridgestone yeah. or any of yeah. the arenas and stadiums. Mm-hmm. Like, you could be coming in with laminates and, I don't know if you're supposed to be back here, Missy, right? <laughs> I walk through the front entrance of the Ryman because they've got every entrance sealed off from Secret Service. Right. Except for one entrance. They're filtering people. Secret through. Service at the Ryman. Now, understand... I am the most dangerous person walking into any venue in the city because I'm coming in with knives, blades, needles, <laughs> like scissors, everything that you could possibly think of that's sharp. It's in my Pelican. So. I'm a Pelican is a, like a suitcase for the road. Roadie suitcase. Yes. Indestructible. Which I guess all suitcases are for the road. But for the road life. No, this is for tour life. For tour life, yeah. yeah I just want to explain. People might think you had a bird on your shoulder. I just want to make sure everybody knew what you were talking about. <laughs> Speak the lingo. Okay, so anyways, I get filtered into this front entrance. And I roll in with my Pelican in one hand and my sewing machine in the other. All black, no laminate, no sticky, no nothing. No one stops me. What? And I go through the lobby and I'm like, let's see how far this plays out. I'd like to test it. And so I get all the way to backstage. Nobody stops me. And it's at like four o'clock. What? Like the doors open at five thirty. Like there should, you know, there's a line. Yeah. And I don't get stopped at all. I'm like, I must really be looking like I should be there. But Secret Service, like the part-time lady that looks like a Muppet at Bridgestone is going to stop me nine times. And the Secret Service is like, let me hold the door for you. Like, do you think that's because they already like knew who you were and like already are pretty yeah, comfortable? Yeah, that's what I bet. I bet Secret Service look your ass up. That's what they do. Oh yeah, they ain't part time Muppet. They're full time Secret <laughs> Service. Like, <laughs> yeah, because you can only be one or the other. Like, yeah, only one or the other. You can only be part time Muppet. Second string, Oh, I still feel like second string. Secured like Secret yeah. Service is better than most arena security. It gets better. So <laughs> <laughs> I go back there, and if you've been backstage with the Ryman, you can't get to catering from one stairwell. You need to use either the elevator or the other stairwell, and you need to come back down and go across and come upstairs. Mm-hmm. So, like you can't cross over yeah. once you're backstage. So, anyways, um, I go up there. I just left all my stuff backstage because I didn't know where I was going yet, and um, it's always in a corner. You know, like like sewing. For most people, you get a table in the hallway. Or you, you know, you get like an awful, like the worst screen room possible. Yeah. And then uh, every once in a while, like, like when I sewed for Alana, they gave me my own green room. And, mm. you know, she just, she stayed in there all day. And I was yeah. like, yes, I quite like this dress. <laughs> Thank you. And so, so anyways, I was like, all right, what corner, you know, what road case am I going to have to set up on top of? Right. You know, that's just what I expect. Like you go in with low expectations. So. Um, I go back there and I need to use the elevator that they go, oh, you're going to be upstairs. So I need to use the elevator. So I get in the elevator and apparently it's only sanctioned for number one. It's, so there's a list. I've got a photo. I need to pull it up for you. Because <laughs> um, I took a photo because I was just like laughing. Like, this it. is crazy. Number one, Michelle. Number two, Malia. Number three, Sasha. Number four, Joe. Joe is there. <laughs> Number five and number six are USSS, so Secret Service, Secret Service. Yeah. Number seven, Crystal. Oh. <laughs> I'm telling you, they vetted you way before. Yeah. We have to vet people for music videos. The Secret Service definitely vetted your ass. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know. But They knew. They knew you had no felonies. They knew. They knew. They knew. They knew. They, knew. they, knew. they, knew. they, knew. they like, they oh. saw you coming. They were like, they smelled you. 
They were they at least ran an, what is it, intelligence check? Do what? Like that app, I have a background check app that I use on everyone. Um, <laughs> okay, Cassie, Cassie can background check anyone. I do. I was like, I was moving to Nashville, and I just wanted to make sure I didn't live near certain people that I didn't want to live near. And I was like, can you, uh, can you figure out where these people live now? <laughs> and I was like, of course I can. She's like, yep, here and here. I'm like, all right, this is my part of town. <laughs> just telling you. Yeah, no, I walked into catering, and there's, like, I think there were 12 or 13 secret service guys. I was like, oh, hot, guys. A little much. <laughs> and it was the best catering that I've ever – no, Beyonce was better catering. Mm. But but their catering was pretty freaking close. It was beautiful. And sat down, and then six agents walked in as if it wasn't packed enough. And then I saw that Malia was in the middle of them, and then they kind of fanned out and let her breathe. And she had gotten some food and just came and sat down at the same table. She's like, hey, what's up? Oh. It's odd that an artist would eat catering, but I'm starting to see it more and more. Mm. I know that they weren't artists, yeah. like she's family, but it makes more sense yeah. to like keep them contained. Don't yeah. let them out of the town. Makes sense. Yeah. I feel like I've seen a lot of artists eat catering, yeah. especially on like my arena tours and stuff. I'm seeing it more and more. Here's the thing. I think I see it more because I've toured with a lot of groups mm-hmm. and I feel like it's a little bit different dynamic than like one superstar. That makes it too. So. Um, I've definitely eaten catering with Donnie Wahlberg, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, New Kids has, like, a really good catering. They have bomb setup. catering. Pretty sure this is the fourth time we've talked in the podcast about New Kids catering because it's that bomb. Yeah, it's really solid. So they good. have good, like, they have options for everyone, but then they have really good, like, healthy road options, which is hard to, you know, it's hard to find the right kind of groceries, you know, in a different cities yeah. and knowing what, you know, just having like sort of a all grocery stores are not created equal and True. just for them to have sort of like consistency on the road is really really nice and That's another backstage shop chef yeah true yeah i have a good friend named sarah that she toured with them for a long time and now she's been with katie for a long time and she's just like she is so rock and roll and awesome and she just she's she's okay you know that's what she does um so so i want to talk to you about some of your other projects um, so, well, first I want to get into one of the things you do, and I think you touched on this a little bit, but I think people will find this very interesting that you have kind of a huge service of your company is sewing merch tags into merch. Oh my God. All these things started as side hustles right. to feed myself. Like this started with me driving around East Nashville on an almost empty tank of gas, like picking up bridesmaids dresses yeah. and clothes from people, taking them home, sewing them, and then bringing them back. Like I was literally like laying dresses out on my bedroom floor. Oh my gosh. I didn't have a table. I didn't have a proper ironing board for like the first year and a half or something. And like, it's, I would get little hustles of people going, Hey, mm-hmm. can you do this? Can you do that? I'm, like, yeah. I'm not in a position to turn stuff down. And it's funny because three things that emerged and they've become divisions and the most profitable one is the simplest version of sewing that exists. I would say that our most profitable um, uh, department is also, to me, a pretty, like, simple, compared to, like, all the thought that goes into some of the other stuff. What is it? Um, It's actually, like, copyright takedowns. Ah. Yeah. Um, It has to happen. Yeah, it has, like things go on the internet. Some things have to come off the internet. Some people have no idea. It's as simple as that. And so it's like it's a pretty intense situation, but like overall, like as far as doing it, it's, it's a process. It's not like same. 
rocket science. Where I think marketing is. kind of is sometimes. Um, but you just signed a deal with NF, which is awesome. And no, you said this is actually my second year. Well, second year, time. okay. And yeah. to do all the merch for this tour, it's a full time job for twelve seamstresses for each merch run. Yeah, last year. I had that's eight. insane. Like that's how much labor that is. Oh my god! Like okay, so last summer I got Nicole. Now she's one of my best friends, but. I'd gotten a call from someone and she said, we need like a lot of merch sewn. And this is after I'd been sewing merch for a year. And, and if you, like sewing merch is just stitching a tag onto a piece of clothing, like either sewing a patch onto a hat or a backpack or a tiny little one inch or half inch tag onto a shirt. And yo, it's like, that's hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, yeah, because like 95% of merch is just screen printed. So a, yeah. the printer does that, and then you get it. We get it. And then you – so, like, when you guys buy a shirt, like, maybe it's a, um, a why don't we shirt or a follow-up with shirt or whatever, and or it might say the tag, like – Exactly. It might be, like, you know, the tag isn't, you know, American Apparel. It's the band name. Yeah. That's like what we're talking about. It's an NF. It's an NF. Yeah. It's just real music. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's that extra little touch yep. that, you know, makes it worth you paying the money for that money. Yeah. Right? And it's just – it's super personalized. It's real. It's legit. And so – um, we had already been doing, well, when I say we, I hate when people are like, they own a company, but it's just them and they say we, yeah. our company, <laughs> yeah, our, no, at this point it's we, um, but in the beginning it was just me and I was just stitching the patches on the orders coming in and I did it for Third Man and I did it for CFT and, you know, all these, all these companies and record labels yeah. will go to one or two merch companies in town and I befriended all these merch companies, you know? Um, and they're just, they're all amazing laid back people and everybody have their own steps in the process. Yeah. You know, everybody has the, like, everybody picks up the ball at a different point. Yeah. Me. Cause it's like for that, you have to first like kind of design the merch and then you have to go to the, I guess the distributor for the goods. Yes, so like the, the t-shirt or the sweatshirt or whatever, the then you have to, yeah. And then you have ties and zippers and all that. And then you have to print whatever on it so and, it. and then it goes to you and you put the tag on it. So think about it. Like let's say in the case of like hoodies, right? Mm-hmm. There's only like 24 units in one box. Mm-hmm. So think about how much labor has to go into sourcing how many boxes for, let's say 35,000 yeah. units. That's what we've done this one month alone. Mm-hmm. Well, more than that, but 35,000 units of hoodies at 24 units wow. per box. And think of how many people have to handle that box. You've got your screen printer, you've got the courier to get them mm-hmm. to me, me and my team. Cause I distribute to a bunch of different people. Right. And then like, you know, and then getting it back to where it needs to go. Right. When you're on time constraints, some, sometimes like the screen printer and I trade, you know, yeah. like they screen print something while I sew something and then we trade, you mm. know, and then, and but the thing is, it's like, you're smelling the ink and yeah. know, I always try to have the first leg of the race. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know? And so like you have all these logistics and that's like that size of an order alone is like, it's full time with yeah. just managing it. You yeah. know? And so last year when she had called, she was like, yeah, but it's a lot of version. I'm like, but what's a lot? Like, what's a lot? You know what I mean? Like yeah. a lot. And she's like, it's like 35,000 units and it needs to be done in the next two weeks. <laughs> Because somebody else dropped the ball. And it's crazy. Like, that's your that's your entrance into the industry. I feel like that's a great story. Because I feel like we had so many of those instances starting our company where somebody else didn't do it right. And we're like, we can do it faster and better. And, like, let me do it. Let me do it for cheap. And, I mean, that's just kind of – that's how you kind of achieve anything. Like, yeah. let me do it faster, better, and cheaper. Mm-hmm. And then as I grow – like you were saying earlier, people trusting you as you go. Yeah. As I gain your trust, you give me more money. You give me more, more jobs. Yeah. And it can turn into a big thing. 
oh my gosh, just today. Like, so we finished that deal tomorrow mm -hmm. and I've been in and out of a screen printer almost every day for the last month. Yeah. And just today they were like, hey, we've got work for you too. Will you do this? Because they've seen us. We've yeah, shown up. exactly. And they've seen us nail it for somebody else. And they're like, well, we wouldn't trust anybody else. Right. These girls hustle. Yeah. Like, well, and the thing it. is too, like, now that I, I mean, I had that other costume person that was a disaster mm -hmm. and I don't do a lot of that kind of stuff, but honestly, like knowing you existed, one, made me want to utilize you for something because I love this stuff. Like I love like the styling side of the music industry and I love all the pretty stuff, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it was exciting to be like, no, let's not hire a stylist. I know a costumer. And so it was so exciting to, to use you for that and kind of collaborate on that. So, you know, nobody's going to be wearing, like, that's the thing about designers. Exactly. They've got other people wearing pieces, but when they're doing polls, a poll is yeah. basically when a PR agency is on behalf yeah. of a designer, they put a rock star in your clothes and it's awesome for a designer. But the other side of it is only so many people can wear that piece yeah. because it's getting photographed and filmed so much. So when you lean towards custom, you know, like you're getting mm -hmm. a one-of-a-kind thing. Nobody else in another video is going to show up wearing what Jenna wore. Exactly. Well, the th kind of the point I brought that up was now if somebody says to me, I need somebody to do that, mm -hmm. I know a person. I got you a guy. I got a girl. Yeah. <laughs> did Crystal do your wedding dress? She, yeah, she did. Crystal yeah. did April's yeah. wedding dress. <laughs> and I walked up to April and I was like, you, what did I say? You look like a pixie or something or a fairy or fairy, yeah. something <laughs> like that. But she did. <laughs> it was like, to me, it was just like the perfect dress that April should have worn. I that chiffon so many times. Like it was, but it was so <laughs> you. It was so like, I don't know. You see a lot of, I've seen a lot of wedding Physical, dresses, but it was just romantic. like, yes, mm -hmm. yes. It was on brand. It was. For you as a human. It was very her. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um but how is it? Oh, oh, that's there's something I really wanted to say there is like how I got that deal. I had no idea how I was gonna fulfill that many units, but mm -hmm. I said yes, and I was like, yes, now let me get off the phone so I can figure out how. I and love like, that. I scaled overnight, but but the entrance into that um and, and making that an incredible friendship and then opening up so many other doors and working yeah. with so many people since then was saying yes and then just figuring it out. Yeah. Like making it work. That's what you have to do. Yeah. I mean, like, that's that's how you go beyond your comfort zone. Yeah. And you're able, because, like, you know, you're going to get to a certain place because you've done certain things to get there. Like, all of us sitting here are sitting here because we've done certain things to get in this room. But if we want to do things bigger than this room, we have to do things we haven't done yet. Yeah. And that's super key. Really uncomfortable. What are you pointing at? What are you looking at? Oh, because April has never... Well, you recorded two podcasts for me so far, but, April you know, had recorded this was just trouble. another level of... of cords and microphones but you know what april you did it and we're here recording this podcast because yeah. of you and now you'll know for the future and now i'm going idea. to sing you a song no not really <laughs> <laughs> cassie will sing you a song no i won't she said no she won't i want to talk about a project you are working on called fashion is for everybody oh okay so i'm not working directly on the show for them okay i'm friends with her and i got it her all the time um, she's wonderful. Um, so she is kind of like a trailblazer for Nashville as far as disability right. and really being connected into the fashion That's world. Awesome. Alicia seriously, she's amazing. And um, so I am helping a designer. Um, with her line that's going to go in this runway show. Oh, that's show. amazing. And so every year, Alicia's been putting on this runway show, um, and it's called Fashion is for Everybody, and they put it's, it's all inclusive. So um, there are people that are missing limbs. Um, there are uh, people on the autistic spectrum. Um, you have people of all shapes and sizes and weights and of all ages. Like, 
we see seniors in the fashion show and it's just it's so inclusive it's beautiful that's a, now um can we get my mom in that fashion show because i feel like the world needs to see that yeah do you agree April? <laughs> I love Benny. I do you agree cassie of course i agree you need to meet, you mom. Need to meet my mom okay my mom is benny's the best she's a hippie Love it. She okay. usually only wears tie-dye. Wonderful. Everyone loves her. She's everyone's friend. She works for me. She works for Krauser. She could represent Krauser. And anything that happens, she's like, well, I could do that. So, like, she'll just be like, she'll call me and be like, I have an idea for a music video for our dog to be in it. <laughs> or stuff like that. She's like, a visionary. Sometimes she gives me ideas on songs that should be written. Good. Just, You've got a lot to do with that. So, so I feel like if we were like, Mom, Benny, her name's Benny. Benny, we have you an opportunity to do a fashion show. And it's people like all shapes and sizes. She'd be like, oh, yes, absolutely. Benet is here for you. Benet. That's that her alter? That's like her alter ego, yeah. Benet. Well, what a lot of people don't know is um, it's called costume rigging. And if you go on stage, the clothes that you're wearing are different from streetwear for the most part. Like you can wear, um, you know, the basics from like an H&M or a Zara or whatever. Yeah. um, But – the rest of it needs to be rigged for the stage. It's got to be held together with snaps and Velcro and like certain things that, um, that come off really, really quick for yeah. change. Like we were talking about at the very beginning yeah. when Backstreet Boys, they were changing under the stage. Oh yeah. Um, so we have dressing rooms all set up like under the stage, um, bright lights, clothes all staged for people to change in like less than 10 seconds. So it all needs to come up super or come off really, really fast. Yeah. And put on super fast. Like, I don't know what I was watching but and it's so funny because I mean I've worked in live entertainment for years. I've just yeah. never been a part of that. Yeah. And I feel like it was an interview with Miley Cyrus recently, but they were saying something about this. This was done with magnets, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Oh, that's my like I never magnets. thought of that, and it made so much sense to me. Yeah, I did a I did a magnet piece. So um, I'll tell you where I'm going with this, but the costume rigging is this whole. It's a whole other world within sewing because. It's sewn to come off. It's not yeah. sewn to stay yeah. on, you know? And I perfected that really with, like, burlesque dancers mm-hmm. um, and, and drag and everything. Like, uh, uh, with you know, they all need to change really, really quickly. So I had done a bodysuit for a burlesque dancer in town, and I had magnets all the way around her waist. That's so crazy. And I did, like, a chainette uh, skirt, like a blush chainette skirt, yeah. like a fringe. Uh, fringe is chainette. Okay. Um, so I did a blush skirt and it was all held on with magnets and just hooks in the front. I just never knew this. And I hid magnets in the shoulder straps so that when she took off the skirt and yeah. put it around her shoulders, it stuck to her shoulders. Oh my gosh. So it's got like a reveal and yeah. also another layer to take off, right? See, I feel like I need those in my everyday wardrobe. I sometimes do you that. Know, I brought three outfits today. Did you? Yeah. Do you want to go to a wardrobe change now? Well, I changed no. for this. Because I, the, what I wore this morning, I wore to our, our podcast last week. So, and then I have another one. So we have to take a picture together, you know. Well, costume rigging is the same thing as adaptive clothing in the disabled yeah. world. Oh, that's okay? awesome. So yeah. People who have autism, sometimes they're really, really bothered by um, by zippers on the front. It needs to be yeah. out of their front area. It needs to be a side zipper. Oh, that's awesome. Part. Some people cannot stand belt loops. Yeah. Um, and then some people have like cerebral palsy and mm-hmm. it's just, you know, they're, they're really, really common yeah. issues with disabilities, but they need different accessibility. Sometimes like they're fully mobile mm-hmm. and other times they need help. Like they need easier entrance through their yeah. ankles, you know, they need to be able to snap. Yeah. And Never so, thought about that, but makes so much sense. It's awesome. And now all of these like major fashion brands yeah. are getting on, you know, getting huh. on the boat. That's and, really cool. Yeah. So it's the same thing. So I love helping out like that side of things. It's the same as costume. Yeah. 
that feeling that you can make somebody feel completely A hundred percent. Yeah, it's awesome. That's amazing. That's so good to hear about. I wanna I wanna come and see the show. Okay. Do you know when it is? Oh, it is September. I think it's the first weekend in September. First week in September. Yeah. All right. I'll be there. Um, So one thing, (laughs) one thing I wanted to kind of wrap up with um, was a quote, another quote you wrote to me in an email. (laughs) And I think it's, yeah, they're quotes because I I highlighted it. So it's now a quote. Um, You said bad stuff happens quick, but the good stuff takes time and hard work. Yeah. And I thought that was just really brilliant. Man. Because it's true, man. Like the moments that I have these like, amazing full circle like you know I did this thing I achieved this thing they're because I worked for a long time on them and really sacrificed went into it but a bad thing can happen that can ruin my day real quick oh my gosh and like even in your career you know the bad stuff that happened like I mean I got laid off from my job because the Mm. position just went away and that happened quickly yeah on a Friday you know, but the good stuff happens, like, it's behind the Instagram scenes. Yeah. Like, nobody's going to see that stuff. Nobody's, like, because yeah. it's not glamorous. All the yeah. work that you put in to build CrowdSurf, you know, people are going to see the shots of you backstage, or they're going to see the shots of you enjoying a concert, but they have no idea the all-nighters that you pull or the 20-hour work days that you do. hundred. And I said recently on an episode, I said something about, like, for every Instagram, you know, post I post, there are a 100 things that are unappealing or something. Yeah. You know, like, you're getting the highlight reel. It's what it is. Um, Cassie, what's something that you makes you happy that you worked hard for? Whew. Um, uh, I, that's a hard question to like answer what right now. A rewarding feel- moment. You, you know, rewarding moments. Yeah, what's no, no. I mean, I definitely, moments? you know, I definitely do. Um, I mean, I think whenever just being able to like do something like, you know, take a family member to see a concert or to, or to get, yeah. you know, a family member, like to, to meet a celebrity that they care about or that sort of thing. I think that's kind of the, you know, the, the most, you know, the thing that makes me, I think the happiest is being able to like, re- being able to do something nice for people you care about because you did something to work hard and make yourself a part of that industry. Like True. you're able to share it with someone that you care about. Yeah, I think that's better than like anything you can give to yourself, you know? Wow. That's autonomy. Like I love the freedom of, of I don't know, not necessarily being able to come and go because like gigs are gigs. You can't yeah. change the date of a concert yeah. <laughs> if it doesn't work for you. <laughs> but it's more so like the autonomy and the control to say like this is what I stand for. And, you know, I, I don't yeah. have to take gigs that I don't completely resonate oh, yes, with. Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is very key. Yeah. I would say mine is definitely freedom. Like the yeah. fact that I can say, Hey, like I'm going to go take off and cut off and take my nephew on a trip or, yeah. um, you know, week. I'd rather, you know, I'm going to work till 4am and then sleep in, Yeah, you know, I mean, you oh, know, yeah, it's just, time. you know, cause the way that our work flows, it's not always nine to five and, no. and that's, in that's production. hard, but it's like being able to be flexible and like also like live a life with it. Like, and it's taken a long time too to learn to live a life in the music industry. Like it is hard. Um, but that's another thing that the hard work went into is learning the balance. Um, and I is think balance a thing. Do you think balance is a thing? Is a thing. Yeah. I think it's a thing. Do you like, what does balance look like in the scope of starting, like getting backstage, like that first step, I feel like it's so much more give than it is take. And then well, I'm talking more about balance between for a long, long time. I, my life was my career and I had very little personal life. Yeah. They're both um, the same. 
Yeah, they were one and the same. And the thing is, they still are very heavily one and the same, but I've really taken time now to, like, I don't feel guilt anymore because I go home to visit my parents all the time. Yeah, me too. You know, because there were years where I'd be like, oh, no, I can't. I have to do this, and I can't come home for Thanksgiving, and I hated that. But if I did, I'd feel guilty. Um, I think there's a balance in learning to not feel guilty when I take vacations or I need a day off or, um, I mean, that kind of stuff, you know, and like being able to balance taking care of myself Mm -hmm. and making time to go to doctors and go to therapy and take vacations. That to me is the balance I had to achieve. I never thought that I would be in that position to go like, "Uh, I need help. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not only do I need help like to help me do my gig, but I need help to psychologically deal with what what I just accomplished. Yeah. It's like heavy as the head that wears the crown. But as soon as you reach a certain point, you're like, whoa, like, is this real life? Yeah. Am I balancing this correctly? Am I processing it correctly? Yeah. Yeah. I had yesterday, most of my day was just emotional turmoil. And it was all job. It was all job stuff. I had a situation with a client that went on from like 930 in the morning till 430 in the afternoon. And that's all I focused on. And it's not even, it wasn't even completely resolved. But like at that point I was like (sighs) moving on to another crisis. Um, But like it was so much. It was so much yesterday and it was just like, but this is my job, you know, and I'm able to help people through things and I'm able to help a team put something together. And, but at the same time, like, it's just, it's part of it. But like, I was able to, it's weird. It's very rare that I go home and I don't put a computer on my lap. But last night I, um, I went got my nails in after work because I was like, that's what I want. And I decided I wanted some chocolate. So I bought some chocolate. Take a minute. And when I went home, I put on my little... I don't know, diffuser thing. And I went to bed and that is so rare for me, but I knew that's what I had to do. Like I could not go back and get on my computer because it just, even though I had so much to do because I was so overwhelmed with this situation, but inbox zero is not a thing. Yeah. That doesn't exist in this world. Like like if you're getting into entertainment thinking that that's going to happen, you're no, that's not it. No. For me, it's like, it doesn't matter how much is burning down at a certain time of day. I'm going to see my pony and I'm going to sit in a field and I'm going to pet my pony. You do. You go on Instagram. I see Mm -hmm. you go. So you own what? One pony or? I have one horse. Okay. So you, I don't know. I just see horses all over your Instagram and I don't. So do you pay for like space for your horse to. Yeah. I pay for it. What is your horse's name? Sterling. Sterling. She's a Mustang. She was wild and I adopted her. Wait, what? Like where would you like went and got it off the island or story? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. A British version. I adopted her from the BLM. So there's like 40,000 wild horses in holding. I grew up riding horses and I wanted to buy a horse. Mm -hmm. And then I realized how many horses were homeless. You basically can adopt a Mustang for pennies, but they're a wild freaking animal. Okay. There are homeless horses. I didn't know yeah. this was a thing. I don't know these things. You would know, Cassie. You're out there. There's, I mean, most of them are out west. Not, not so much in California, but Nevada, Oregon, Colorado. Cassie, well, you know about the homeless not, horses? There's definitely more homeless people than horses in Los yeah. Angeles. Yeah, around where I live. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's like the the more the cities have developed up, the horses have less space to to run. That's wild. true. So I want a horse know. now. You should do oh, it. Oh, great. Get a horse and sing Tegan Marie's song while riding it. I just, I just, I'm upset because there's like a, a tortoise sanctuary in Malibu, and I messaged them and I'm like, hey, like I do 
you know, awesome digital marketing. I'd love to like, you know, help whether it's on the ground or help with digital. And they were just like, no, I don't want want you. Cassie, can I give you some advice? Yeah. So back in the day when you started and the Backstreet Boys didn't want your help, you just made a fan site. Mm. So I'm going to make a fan site for a turtle sanctuary. Yeah. And then eventually it's going to have more turtle fans than the real sanctuary. And they're going to be like, please, Cassie. Come yeah. help us with our turtles. Because what you'll do is you'll build up an audience of yeah. other, like fans. You need to prove that they need you, Cassie. And at some point, they're going to be like, dang, we really want in on that audience. Yeah. And they're just going to have you do it because they don't know what they're doing. So, I mean, that's just how it goes. Okay, so basically I'm just going to stop doing the music industry and focus on digital turtle no, no, marketing. You have to do all of the things. All of it. However... This is not the first time you've used this in it. I think I'm going to quit the music industry and go work with turtles instead. Yeah, <laughs> I just think that turtles are nicer than artists. I think ponies are nicer than artists. That's why I'm out there every day. And you know what's funny is I, I've had clients be like, well, we know you're available. We see you're playing with your horse. It's like, that is my time. That is your lunch break. Exactly. I can't believe people say that. That really makes me... Very infuriated. Oh, you want to hear a funny story? I mean, the thing is, I know people say that, and I edit Mm -hmm. myself. For instance, today I went and got a blowout because I knew I had some new clients coming in. I had these podcasts. We have to take pictures. And I put it in my calendar abbreviated because I didn't want people to know I was going to the dry bar and judge that I wasn't at work at 930. We're so self-conscious about this stuff. You know? Yeah. It's like, God forbid you take care of you. Which yeah. you can't take care of company. If you take but care honestly, of I didn't even want to go to the dry bar. I just wanted to look good for the thing I'm supposed to look good for. Well, yeah, you're, it was all money for the company, the company you know? Yeah. That's how so, it works. I mean, I, I come in with wet hair every other day. I bet <laughs> that no one else would have thought negatively against you had you just put it and called it what it was. Yeah. I think it's what we all created. In our I house. created in my head. I'm always like, people yeah. are judging me. They think I don't do I always think people don't think I do enough. Yeah. That's like a constant thought in my head. Because they, like, so when you have people that work, beneath you or next to you they're only seeing what's in front of them like, yeah. like you're seeing the bird's eye view of all of the little things yeah. that have to happen and who needs to be where by a certain time all those yeah. logistics and like they have no idea how much is running through your head because you've only trained them what they need to know yeah when it's interesting even with like april who assists me yeah. and i know her really well outside of work and stuff i feel like i over explained to her so much because i don't want her to think i'm not doing enough so to be like, hey, like, I'm going to be like, because this thing happened and this thing happened and this thing happened. We're like, it really doesn't freaking matter. You know what that shows? Huh. Empathy. That's what my therapist says. Oh, let's have a session. <laughs> like, we had this big talk one day and I was like, I don't like going to the Westin Starbucks because I've run out of money to give the homeless newspaper and I have 20 copies in my car. And she's like, you don't have to do that every day. I'm like, but I do. <laughs> It's real stressful to me. I, I know. And that's what she tries to tell me. And so like the past three days, I've literally like not done it. And then I'm half on the road. I'm like, <sighs> and I start praying for these people because I don't know what else to do. And it's just, it's a hard thing. So it is, I'm an empath and it makes the music industry way harder. That's the best possible place that you could be running a business from is from radical empathy and respect. You know, you're caring where people are coming from. Thank you, Crystal, so much for coming. You came through a torrential thunderstorm in Nashville today. It was nuts. Like, I think it went on for like two hours, seriously. So I really do appreciate you you coming through that. Thank you for having me. So where can everybody follow you and Music City Sewing online? Okay. uh, Best place would be Instagram because I'm on there way too much. So that's just Crystal Douglas, K-R-Y-S-T-A-L Douglas. Um, And then the website is Music City Sewing. 
Um, yeah, Instagram's the best place. Yeah, so make sure you follow Crystal and make sure you follow Jade at Folly Jade on all platforms. And then you can also follow me if you want to. And I'm at Cassie Petrie on all platforms. And you can follow the podcast at How I Got Backstage on Instagram and I Got Backstage on Twitter. Yes. And we also wanted to give a special shout out to April Galtieri from CrowdSurf for producing and editing this episode. And thanks to Cody Falkoski for writing and recording our new theme song. And last but not least, we definitely want to give a shout out to our CrowdSurf publicity team, Dakota Heflin and Nina Kolb. How I Got Backstage is a CrowdSurf production.